0: As many of you know, this is the first month of the new year, and each year we spend uh, 21 days in special prayer focus. So today I'm going to be talking a lot about prayer. And as a church, last Sunday we started, um, or invited you to start, I should say, with us, a uh, Daniel fast. Um, In Daniel, chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, it says, At that time I, Daniel mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, nor wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions until three weeks were over. He says he he fasted as if he was in mourning for three weeks. He didn't get rid of everything. He did what we nowadays call a Daniel fast. Now, a lot of times we have, and if you want to hear a lot about fasting, go, go to the message last week. Uh, Pastor Emily did a great job of sharing on that. Um, And she talked a little bit more. But a lot of times we have this idea that if I fast, I will change God. The, the, The truth is that at the beginning of the fast and at the end of the fast, God is the same. What has changed is me. How many of you recognize we are spiritual beings? You, you have a physical body, you live in a, a physical world, you have a soul, but you are a spiritual being, and there is a spirit realm, and there is a lot going on, but we are so accustomed to listening to our body. We are not accustomed to listening to the spirit realm. One of the reasons that we fast is because we're practicing The denial of that physical voice that says, you know what, I want food. Or in some cases, it might be, I want caffeine. I want sugar. I want... And then we choose something and we say, you know what, I am going to practice ignoring the voice of my flesh and tuning in to the voice of my spirit. And when you finish a fast, whether that is a 21-day Daniel fast or a a one-day fast, fast of food or a two or three day fast, whatever it is that you've done, when you have purposely set aside, you will find you have changed and your ability to see what God is doing and what he is speaking to you will have grown. We want to be a church that prays. Matthew 21 Verse 12 says, then Jesus went into the temple courts and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the table of the money changers and the seats of those selling doves. And he declared to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. Now, some people have used this scripture to be like anti-capitalism and say, you know what? They were selling something and God didn't want anything to be sold. (laughs) It says the money changers. Now, how many of you have ever exchanged money for a different currency? You go somewhere, like another country, and your your money's no good because they use a different money there. So you have to buy that money with your money. How many of you remember watching the exchange rate where you're like, you know what? If, If I buy today, my $1 gets me 10 pesos. If I wait... My $1 might only buy me 8 pesos, or maybe my $1 will buy me 12 pesos. And on a particular day, it's like, you know what? It's like the whole world's on sale because I'm used to the exchange rate being one thing, and now it's another. Well, what was happening in the temple is they had just declared that the temple, that regular money was no good there, and you had to buy a different money. And the exchange rate stunk. So you could buy a dove for sacrifice on the street with regular money at one price. But you would have to pay way more to buy the money to then do that. And they were extorting. They said, Jesus came in and he realized, you know what? These people are coming to seek forgiveness of sins, to seek right standing with God, to praise and to worship the Lord, and they're being extorted to do so. They were being robbed. They were being forced to buy these this, the money changers, exchange their money at a very poor rate, and then purchase. It was like being at the airport, but worse. When you show up in the waters like $4.99 for one little bottle, and you're like, man, I wish I would have bought some at the gas station before I got here. That's what it was like for them at church. Can you imagine showing up to church? And we made you, you know, buy the right. To sit here at an inflated rate. You want forgiveness? Well, you're going to have to bring a sacrifice. But you can't buy it out there at the regular price. You have to come in here, exchange your money, do that. God God was indignant that they were trying to create a scenario where they got paid for people getting forgiven. That was wrong. But he says, my house will be called a house of prayer. Now... It is our desire, it's my desire, that this house, this church, be called a house of prayer. Why? If we are, if we are a house of prayer, first assumption is we're going to pray. Why? Why is it that we pray? Acts 17, 24 through 27, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I've got a few. You'll hear me say that a few times, but I really love this passage. This is because Paul went to this place. They, they, they refer to this as Mars Hill. He went to this place where the people there worshipped so many different gods. And they had, there were so many, literally, there were so many different gods and the people there were so religious that, that idol makers had figured out how to capitalize on it, and they would show up and they'd make up new gods, and everyone was like, we don't want to miss one. And so everyone would go and buy this new made-up god, and they passed a law that said you cannot preach about any new god because they realized the people were being taken advantage of because they were so religious in this place. And so Paul goes there, and instead of telling them about a new god, he found one of their inscriptions that said, to the unknown god. And he said to them, let me tell you about this God you were already wondering about. His, he is the one. And this is what he says about God. He is explaining God, who he is, what he did, and why he did it to people who don't know anything. That's why I like this verse. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and histories and boundaries of their lands." He is telling the story. God made everything. He made you. This is the part where I think it gets good. This is where we're going to focus. Verse 27. God did this so that. Here is the reason God made the world and made you and I. God did this so that they, being those he just made, would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Reason number one that we were created was to have communion with God. God made us so that we would reach out and have communication, communion with him. That is what he wanted. That is one of the purposes for which you and I were made. That is one of the reasons why we pray. We pray because God desires communion with us. He wants you to pray. Not in a mean I want to control you way, but how many of you ever had teenagers? Have you ever walked in the room and said, "Hey, talk to me." And they're like, "Why?" And you're like, "Because I'm your dad, and I love you, and I care about what's going on in your life. I want to know. I I want communion with you. What's new? Ask your kid, what happened at school today? Nothing. Let's see, is he there? Leland will remember this. A few weeks ago, I picked him up from school, and he says, I said, well, what happened at school today? And he said, nothing. And I just got all excited. Are you serious? You actually did nothing all day long? That is amazing. How could you do? Absolutely. You didn't even. And he's, okay, well, I did do something. You know, but why did did I want to know? Because I wanted to have communion with him. That's what God says is why he made us. Now, I remember as a kid thinking about prayer and thinking about, you know, people would say, okay, prayer is a conversation with God. And I was like, all right, I get that. But, you know, everybody else I conversate with doesn't know what I'm thinking God already knows what I'm thinking. In fact, the Bible tells me he knows what I want before. Matthew chapter 6, 7 through 8 says, And when you pray, do not babble like the pagans, for they think by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So if God already knows what, What I need, why does he ask me to say it? Why does he ask me to speak it out? He goes on to say, in that same section, when he's talking to the disciples, he says, when you pray, ask for your daily bread. Why do we need to tell God what we need if he already knows what we need? This comes down to the second reason we were created. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says this Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. We were made for communion. And we were also made for rulership or dominion, authority. God created us for the purpose of having authority. Psalms verse eight, or chapter 8 verse 4 through 6 says this, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hand and put everything under their feet. Why does God want you to ask for what he already knows you want? Is it because he needs you to tell him what? you want so that he'll know no it's not the reason that we ask isn't so that he will be informed but it's because we have been given the authority the dominion the rulership therefore it is what we say that is done remember in the Lord's prayer it says that Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Why is God's will done differently in heaven than it is on earth? You ever wonder that? The reason that God's will is done, the way that God's will is done in in heaven, is that is his domain. He has authority there. So his will is automatically done. On earth, who was given dominion? Who? We were. He gave authority to us. He created us for relationship and for dominion. He gave mankind the dominion. So when He sees what and knows what you want and says, ask for it, declare it, speak it, Why is he saying that? Because he forgets what we wanted? No, it's because he gave us the authority. When he told the disciples, pray so that my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He was cluing the disciples in. You have dominion here. It is your job to declare, to speak that which is to happen here just like it's my job to declare it in heaven. God isn't asking us to pray so that he can find out what we want. He's asking us to pray because our mouth and our faith is what gives the legal authority for those things to take place on earth. We have dominion. We could stop right now. It'd be worth it. If we get a hold of this concept, God is not waiting for me to speak because he wonders what I'm thinking. He is asking me to speak because he has given me authority. I pray both to have relationship with God. You ever know, God, God, is like our Heavenly Father, just like children. How many of you ever had a conversation with a baby? Oh, you're not raising your hand. All every parent in here has had a conversation with their baby. Now, their baby wasn't holding up their end very high, but you had it. Oh, how you doing today? Oh, you look so cute. Oh, no, 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 no. You longed for interaction. All a baby had to do was smirk. In response, no oh, kept the conversation going for three more minutes. Why? Because you longed for relationship. That's God. He is looking, he wants us to be of prayer because he desires that communion. He's like a He is wanting to have that conversation with us. And then, secondly, he gave us dominion. We're not informing him, we're authorizing. We're giving him that dominion. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 4, do you remember when Jesus had just been baptized and he went into the desert and the devil came and tempted him? The devil had his one big chance to try to derail Jesus. The devil just figured out what's going on. He realized that Jesus is special. Why? Because prior to that, I don't believe the devil was really sure who and what was going on. But when the, the Holy Spirit came down and God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, the devil's like, okay, that's who I need to target. And he goes after him right after that in the, in the desert. And he comes at Jesus with a temptation says in verse 6, it says, And the devil led him up to a high place, and he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you authority over all these kingdoms in all their glory, he said, for it has been relinquished to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. The devil was claiming to have authority on earth. It was relinquished to him. Who relinquished it to him? Adam. Adam and Eve. Now, he had this one chance to try to bait Jesus into worshiping him. Do you think he, 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 he spent it on a bluff? I don't really have any authority. But I'll just see if I can convince Jesus that I do. No, he did. I don't think he was bluffing. But... Jesus understood that's not going to last. That was his purpose here, was to take back the keys to the kingdom. Satan had authority here. Some people wonder, why? Why is there evil in the world if God is good? That is the answer. The answer is because God... ...gave dominion or authority, rulership to mankind. We were created to rule. And here's the thing. This that we're in right now is a hiccup. Because in the future, we will again rule. If you read the end of the story, we recognize that we, God created the earth. His plan was that mankind would rule... Adam messed it up. Jesus is straightening it out. And after the, all of the stuff you read about in Revelation, then the, the heaven comes down to earth and his kingdom is set back up again. And exactly what he planned from the beginning is what happens going forward. But here's, here's what's interesting. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's the God with a small g. New Living Translation says, Satan, who is the God of this world. So Adam forfeited Satan' dominion to Satan in the garden, and the devil had dominion on earth for a time. Some, some people, this is hard to wrap your mind around. Because you grew up in, with a different understanding. A belief that everything that happened was exactly what God wanted to happen. And when something good happened, you said, praise God, God wanted something good to happen. When something bad happened, you said, oh, I wonder why God wanted to do that, but I don't know. I'm going to say something that may come as a surprise to you. Not everything that happens is God's will. Not everything that happens is God's will. Just because so-and-so won the lottery doesn't mean that's who God wanted to make rich. Just because so-and-so was in a car accident doesn't mean God wanted them dead and needed another flower in his garden. That is not what the Bible teaches us. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you says so some of you think god is slow he's not slow he's patient not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance what does this verse tell us god wants it says he wants everyone to come to repentance, and no one to perish. In Scripture, does Scripture ever reference anyone ever perishing? Absolutely. The Bible talks about the goat and the sheeps and the different people and, and, and those who came, and Jesus. God said to them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. There are people... Who perish. This verse says that isn't God's first choice. What happened? They exercised their right to choose, to rule, in their life. It is through prayer that God attains the legal right to move here on earth. What God wants doesn't automatically come to pass unless... We use prayer to make it happen. As I said before, we could stop right here. Mic drop. Done. If if we learned that one thing today, it was worth it. If we remember, God created us for dominion. Matthew chapter 6, 9, verse 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Interesting though, we speak it. He hears it. We have been given dominion. Say this with me I have dominion here on earth. That is, that is one of the purposes for which you were created. When you understand that, do you realize how that changes the way you pray? When you pray without an understanding of dominion, your prayer is kind of like, well, oh God, just in case you thought maybe this is a good idea, kind of like I think this is a good idea, I sort of hope that maybe you might consider doing this or that. That is a prayer that so many people, if if it be thy will. Now, some of you are going, but didn't Jesus pray if it be thy will? Yes, he did. Jesus prayed if it be thy will when he was praying a prayer of consecration. He was praying. So here's the thing. There are more than one kind of prayer. And this is what we're going to get into that we're not going to completely finish today. But we're going to start talking about different types of prayer. There are various types of prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. And request with this in mind, Be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. How many of you like sports? Now, if I went around the room and asked every person whose hand is up, we would find out some of them are thinking of soccer. Some of them are thinking of basketball. Some of them are thinking of golf. Some of them might be thinking of Olympic curling. Who knows? They're sports, but they all have very different rules. In basketball, I'm using my hands. In soccer, I can't use my hands. Are they both sports? Yeah. This is like prayer. We look at prayer and we think, well, prayer. But there are different kinds of prayer and there are different rules that apply to each of those types of prayer. And if we try to play basketball with football rules, don't use your hands, how many baskets do you think you could make without your hands? Not very many. Sometimes, some of us have been praying But we've been transferring the rules that apply to different types of prayer to other types of prayer. So we're trying to have a prayer of faith. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And we're using the rules for the prayers of consecration. Let's see how that goes. Prayer of faith. Matthew 21, verse 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. James 1, 6 through 9, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Which person? The person who doubts. They should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable In all they do. That is talking about the prayer of faith. We have, it's kind of like that that unstable person. How many of you guys write a list before you go to the grocery store? How many of you don't write a list? Like, you ever go in there really hungry and you're just like wondering, getting whatever? You get back home and you're like, oh. I have all these donuts and Oreos, but I I, I guess I I needed eggs and milk. You you went in there without purpose. You just went to whatever display looked the most delicious. And the Bible says that person who has no purpose shouldn't expect anything from God. Verse Joshua 1.8 talks about God, here it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that that you will make your way prosperous. Many people don't realize that the scripture has given them authority. We don't, many people don't know enough. It says, if, it is, if you pray according to God's will, you will receive it. Many of us don't know because we don't know what God's will is. So we're not sure. Well, is this God's will? Well, find out. And then pray in accordance to that will. You need to know because if you don't know what his will is, then you can't confidently pray in line with it, can you? I encourage you, look in Scripture for what God's will is. Now, that is the prayer of faith. And we could spend weeks, breaking that down and getting into it. But for today, I just want to talk about comparatively reflecting and demonstrating the different types of prayer. So the prayer of faith, then we have the prayer of consecration. This is the prayer where Jesus... In Matthew 26, 39, it says, Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Another translation says, Not my will be done, but yours. And then he goes on again and says, If it be your will. If it be your will. Now, so many people have taken that what was what was Jesus doing in that moment he was it was a prayer of consecration i had a similar moment when i was in high school i felt that god was calling me to be a missionary i had since i was in kindergarten and i just i had that that desire and I remember at around age 14, I remember, I remember where in the youth room I was sitting. I remember walking from that spot up to the front of the stage. I remember getting down on the knees, my knees in the altar and praying and saying, God, if it is your will for me to be a missionary, fantastic, because that's where I'm going. I'm headed that way. I believe that to be my call. But if it's not, if that's not your will, then make it clear to me because otherwise I'm going to end up there. I remember praying. I was praying, God, if this is your will, help me to be clear about what I should dedicate my life to. Jesus, same thing. He says, hey, if there's another way, I'd like you to pick that. But, not my will be done. Jesus wasn't exercising his own dominion in that moment. He was submitting to God's purposes in his life. There will be prayers and times when we pray and submit ourselves to God's will and purposes in our life. And when we do that, it is right and it is appropriate to say, not my will be done, but yours and to pray if this is your will there will be times when you do that when you're trying to make a life decision and you need to know whether to go left or right, blue car, red car married not married tall guy, short guy who are you going to pick? And you say, God, tell me your will. That that prayer of consecration is very different. Committing yourself to God has different rules. We don't pray a prayer of consecration with the same rules as the prayer of faith. And so many people have taken that if that be thy will. And they're coming in there, and they're wondering, I, I remember uh, a man named Bonancio who um, God used mightily to reach people in mexico and my my father had the privilege of working for him with him for a number of years. I would go back when I was in high school and work with him in the summer and go out there, and God had used him they had the miracles and crazy things that had happened in in his life were. Astounding. And he would talk about when he was going to go in and pray the prayer of faith for someone. And he would turn around and he would find the people in the room. And he'd say, If you don't believe this person's going to be healed, leave. He, he understood. If they're still wondering if it's God's will, I don't want them here. Different rules than the prayer consecration. Another prayer is a prayer of commitment. Psalms 37 verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. First Peter 5 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Matthew chapter 6 25 through 27. Therefore I tell you, Isn't that a good question? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Not by worrying, I can't. A prayer of commitment. Committing your way to the Lord and trusting. There comes the key. When I commit my life to the Lord, then I trust. Because worry nullifies the prayers of faith. Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Let's read that again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. Another type of prayer is the prayer of worship. Luke chapter 24, verse 52 to 53 says, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3 says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas called Simon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed hands on them and sent them off. Sometimes we have a prayer of worship. <laughs> I recently had a conversation with one of my kids and I said to them, I said, I, I, I praise you for this or that. And he says, well, aren't you only supposed to praise God? <laughs> and I said, I'm only supposed to worship God. I can praise you for doing something right. There's a difference between praise and worship. I can praise the the worship band here for their musicianship, their good voices. I don't worship the band. I worship with them the Heavenly Father. But while they were worshiping, what does that look like? And And I was explaining to my son, I said, worship is is to recognize as as the greatest. I don't don't say to my son, you are the greatest thing ever. You are greater than God. No, I worship God as being above all. I can praise my kid for making a right choice or for cleaning his room or for, for doing whatever. But when we worship, when we adore, when we revel in the greatness of the Lord, That is a type of prayer. Now, what's interesting to me is as we go through scripture and we read examples of what happens when people prayed worshipful prayers. Acts chapter 16 says, and about midnight, Paul and Silas, I'm in verse 25, were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison's door flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open. And he drew his sword about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So in Acts chapter 13, they were worshiping. And God spoke to them and told them what to do next and who to anoint for a new thing that was going to happen. When Paul and Silas were worshiping in the prison. Suddenly, and and we learn that the disciples and the other Christians were also at home praying for them. They were declaring prayers of faith. But Paul and Silas weren't praying prayers of faith. They were praying prayers of worship. And at that time, God's answer to prayers of faith came when they were in a prayer of worship. Oftentimes, when we worship, we usher in answers to prayer. It's not even clear that they were seeking that answer at that moment. They were just worshiping and enjoying the awareness of who God is and how worthy he is. I think our our last prayer for today will be the prayer of agreement. Matthew 18 says, Truly I tell you, whoever you bind Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And truly, I tell you that if two of you agree on earth, or excuse me, two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 30 says, how should one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to fight? This is synergy. There is a prayer of agreement. The Bible says that one has power, but two has more than double the power. One set a thousand, the other set ten thousand. We look at that and say, it doesn't make sense. But you know, it exists far beyond the supernatural world. There is a true story about a contest for the strongest ox in Canada. The winning ox pulled 8,000 pounds. And the runner-up pulled just a few hundred pounds short of that, almost 8,000 pounds. And they, they crowned the winner and they gave out the ribbons and they did all of that. And then the owners of the two winning oxen wanted to see how much the two oxen could pull together. Well, who's good at math? 8,000 and almost 8,000 would be almost 16,000. So they strap them up to 16,000 pounds and they pull it just fine. They keep adding weight. The two oxen who by themselves could only pull about 8,000 pounds, pulled 26,000 pounds together. That's called synergy. When the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. 8 plus 8 wasn't 16. 8 plus 8 was 26. This is a reflection of what we have in the spiritual realm. God says that when we pray in unity, when we agree together that there is a extra power that comes. Do you have power by yourself? Absolutely you do. But when we come together and pray, that power is multiplied. <laughs> I'm going to give you an example that, 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 that uh, puts me in the doghouse. So I made a mistake last week. We announced the start of the 21 days of prayer. And during our meeting, during the week, um, someone asked, well, if we're announcing it on Sunday, should we just start on Monday? And I said, oh, sure. Forgetting that everyone else who was doing it was starting on Sunday. And so we had our little handouts that had some of them had been printed up already starting on Sunday. But... Someone who was in the meeting heard me say, we're going to start on Monday. So they adjusted the times on the sheets and put them out, corrected to what I had said, go team. But then when I looked at it on Sunday to go put the announcements on Facebook, I was like, oh, we're off by one day. And so I switched it back. Why? Because I wanted there to be unity. I don't just want us to be praying today for Israel. I want all of us to be praying today for Israel. Someone say, well, why does it matter what day? Because there is a supernatural multiplier when we unite in prayer. So if you look on Facebook, you will see that we are on track. This is day number eight, technically, because last week Sunday was day number one. And... The flyers, some of them were actually right and some of them were wrong. If you look on the bulletin last week, it went out with the wrong dates. Bulletin this week goes out with the right dates. If you look on Facebook, you'll agree. And it's not a big deal if you happen to be on the other. I messed everything up. But I corrected it because I want us to be in unity. I recognize that there is a supernatural multiplier that takes place. When I pray for Israel this morning, that was good. When you prayed with me for Israel, that was better. When we all prayed for Israel, man, there is so much power there. Today, if you've been paying attention, is Israel. And I am so proud of Christians who lift up Israel. I was going to go with an illustration, but that'll take too long. We're going to close with this. There is power in prayer, in unified prayer. There are different types of prayer. If you look at every prayer being exactly the same, we're missing out on what God has designed for us. He has given us so many tools to use, to exercise authority here on earth. You are designed to reign. We desire to be a church that prays. What does that mean? That means we are a church that declares God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. We are a church that recognizes the authority God has given us to declare his plans and purposes in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in this church, in our community, in this nation, in the world. I am excited and I hope that you guys are getting excited with me about declaring God's will in our lives, about praying for many different reasons, both to see his purposes and plans done in this world, but also to communicate and to enjoy relationship with him. If you have a relationship with God, if you know that your sins are forgiven and you're right with God, I want you to ask to raise your hand. If you don't know that for sure, the Bible tells us to know we have salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and confess in your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. What does that mean? It means you're saved from the sin that would have separated you from God. If you desire that forgiveness and you don't know that you have it, you can have it today by praying and confessing just like that verse said. If everyone would close your eyes just for a moment, I want to give people here as well as people watching or listening online or elsewhere the opportunity to make that decision today to pray that prayer. If that's you, just raise your hand so we'll know. If you're home, making that decision, you can pray along with us. And I invite everyone to just repeat with the people at home who are praying. Say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus who died on the cross for my sin and who rose from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life and I accept your forgiveness.